Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and I have with me today Rena Van Alst. Hi, Rena. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. I have had a busy week, a bit of tribunal work this week. Having time out of the office always keeps you on your toes, uh, but it's good. That's what we enjoy doing as lawyers, advocacy and uh, getting good results for our schemes. I'm going to mention that one of my wins this week happened in the tribunal, so we shall get to that shortly. But before we get to wins, we always like to talk about challenges. What's been your challenge this week, Rena? Well, based on our previous podcast, a manner of speaking about, you know, the expiry of the, of the time coming up for agency agreements, um, I had a committee approach me back in April, actually, and they asked me to put a tender in, did an interview, etc. And they had a committee meeting and decided at that committee meeting that, that they would um, appoint Strata Central and they would terminate their current managing agent. So, they asked me for the motions that would be issued for that particular part of the agenda and I submitted those motions with the explanatory notes and the agency agreement, of course, which should be annexed to the agenda so that owners know exactly what they're um, approving. Mm -hmm. And so when the agenda was issued, one of the owners rang me and he was part of the interviewing committee and he said to me, Rena, something's not right here because your motions have been put in after the motion to reappoint. I said, that's strange. So what the agent did was basically put the motions to terminate and to appoint Strata Central at the end and put their own motion <laughs> to reappoint themselves before the motion to terminate. Every other motion that had been submitted by the Strata Committee in terms of some bylaws, et cetera, had a note saying submitted by the Strata Committee, but the motions where they were being terminated had these two particular items omitted. Mm. Every motion on the agenda had an explanatory note except the motions that I had provided. <laughs> and the motion that I had provided for the appointment of Strata Central had been amended. Ooh, and cool. exactly right. And then the agenda did not have the agency agreement. It only had the agency agreement of the incumbent agent. Oh, dear. So anyway, so I then, the committee also contacted me and I said, well, you know, you need to ask the agent to reissue this agenda. This is not correct. And anyway, within few hours. So I think, I don't know if the committee had even had time yet to, to contact the agent. And that afternoon, the agent reissued the agenda by email only and said, please find attached revised agenda with some amendments. Didn't say what the amendments were. So then the committee asked me to have a look at it. I had a look. So one part was that the commission was going to be increased by plus or minus 10% instead of the previous motion that had 5%. And my motions had been put back in exactly as they were given with the expanded mm. notes, but the agency agreement had not been included. So I was actually quite taken aback by the behaviour of this agent who I know works for a reputable company and I've spoken to the principals who basically have said to me, you know, thank you for bringing this to our attention and, and they're going to mm. um, remedy the situation. But I just think that um, it's really interesting to see how some managers take it upon themselves to do whatever they can to keep a building. And it was just, I was quite surprised. And the other thing that happened during the meeting was that this manager was asked to leave the meeting while the motions to terminate were discussed and he mm. refused. Goodness. 
I'm not sure why you would think that's a good endorsement of your service. <laughs> First of all, yeah. to be not putting an agenda together in the way instructed and then refusing to leave a meeting when requested. That's a little bit mm. odd. Yeah. So anyway, um, that was a bit of a challenge. I mean, I think that the poor committee members didn't know what to do yeah. and um, they sort of felt very vulnerable because – they were just being dictated to by the strata manager without having any say. And, and even though they had a strata committee meeting, they had minutes to say this is what their decisions were and, and some related to things, as I said earlier, Amanda, about bylaws, not nothing related to this aspect. Mm. You know, he decided what he would say and how he would say it and what order it would go in. And and I think that when a relationship breaks down like one of between a strata manager and the committee or and lot owners, I think it's just important as agents that – you know, it's good to leave on a good note. There's no point undertaking such, you know, disingenuous activities and, and, and underhanded type of behaviour because it really backfires. Yes. And I think that if you try and keep people against their will by just trying to do things like that, it really does show you in a bad light. Yep. And I think as, as agents wanting to be professionals in our industry and making it more lucrative and more enhancing for lot owners and for prospective people to make strata management as a career, it's not really good to have these types of things happening because mm. it really gives a, a bad name to strata managers who on the whole I think do a very good job you know we work very hard it's a, not an easy job and then people like that sort of you know really give the industry a bad name. Yeah I agree and not a very nice thing to have happened to you but good on you for being able to sort that out together with the committee and also bringing it to the attention of the principal of that business so that mm. they were aware that one of their employees was conducting themselves that way. Yeah. What I'm actually seeing a little bit of lately and I wonder if this will increase is buildings who have gotten a little bit more savvy when it comes to holding meetings and are excluding their strata manager altogether from the process of putting together the agenda to chairing the meeting and the couple of meetings that I've been to for the purposes of assisting those committees to run the meetings, uh, they say that they've done that because they don't see the value in having their strata manager there. And they, they say things like you've just said there, Rena, the, the agenda's not put together properly. They don't put on the agenda what we want. So we've had mm. to go on and do our own agenda. And we also find that the meeting is taken over with the way they want to run it and the things they want to discuss rather than what we want. And I think that's what will happen. Buildings will vote with their feet, whether it's looking for another strata manager or excluding the strata manager altogether. Yeah, and that's a bit sad, Amanda, mm. like you said, when people don't even want the strata manager to, to be in attendance because I was at a meeting last night and, and people said to me, you know, we, we want you to have input. And I said, don't worry, I will give my input. Whereas the previous <laughs> manager just sat there and didn't yeah. say boo. Yeah. I think what's the point of having someone that doesn't say anything? I mean, even if you say, yeah, that's a good idea or something. like Yes. I mean, you have to always add disagree. some value, just, please. Yeah, add some value. Yeah, and and I mean, you're being paid to do not just the minutes, but to give advice. So, yep. yeah, that was an interesting um, experience that I came across where um, it is quite common that managers sometimes don't give value. And mm. and at a meeting, it's it's your time to actually shine and and in a sense show what value you can give, show what your skills are, show what your experience is. I mean, everyone's different in how they do it and every committee has different types of ways of running the meeting sometimes the chairman likes to be you know, be more active sometimes the chairman likes to give more time for the manager to assist so whatever the, the way that the building is run it doesn't really matter you need to sort of fit in within that cultural part of committees that exists 
Yeah, good advice. Uh, and I love that. Meetings are a time for strata managers to shine. And it's so true. You're, you're so often behind the computer screen at the other end of the mm. phone or the email and buildings really are questioning, what do you do for us? And it's mm. when you're sitting there in that meeting that you have the opportunity to show your value. So a really good message for all of our manager listeners. Okay, well, my challenge this week or a challenge that I have been approached with uh, by a lot owner, um, this is a problem that I think I've mentioned before on the podcast, but this particular lot owner seems to be experiencing it to another degree. Um, What's happening to this poor lady is that the Owners Corporation has done some work around on the common property. Uh, I'm not sure whether some of that involved accessing lots and the courtyards for the lots, but basically what's resulted is this lady's suffered damage to her lot property. And from her point of view, that's because the owner's corporation hired a negligent contractor who didn't do things the way he was supposed to. And that has caused her significant loss of amenity. She can't use her courtyard. Apparently, it just fills up with mud when it rains. I think what the problem is, the levelling of the courtyard wasn't done properly. So, she's basically got this muddy swimming pool in her in her yard. And the question that she's asked me is, how do I deal with this? This contractor was employed by the owner's corporation. They've done some shoddy work. Who is my claim against? Is it the contractor? Is it the owner's corporation? And I've said, it is the owner's corporation who you need to be talking to about this. They are the ones who have the relationship with the contractor. Mm. You don't have a relationship, a legal relationship with the contractor, but you do have a legal relationship with the owner's corporation and they do have a duty to repair and maintain common property, but also where they have carried out work on lot property, then there is actually a section in the Act that requires them to ensure that they don't damage that lot property or if they do, that they fix it up before they finish. So that section I'm talking about is section 122 in the Strata Schemes Management Act 2015. It's subsection six of section 122. I'll put a link in the show notes. And it says that an owner's corporation is liable for any damage to a lot or any of its contents caused by or arising out of the carrying out of any work unless that damage arose because the owner's corporation was obstructed or hindered. So in this lady's case, there's been no obstructing or hindering of the owner's corporation. They've carried out work and her lot property has been damaged. So she could claim that damage back from the owner's corporation. She's also queried whether in this situation there might be some negligence on the part of the executive committee because they seem to unfortunately have contracted with a builder who wasn't qualified and is potentially uninsured. (laughs) So it's all a bit of a mess. Um, And I've said to her that um, I do have coming up on the podcast, uh, a representative from CHU, who's going to chat to us about executive committee liabilities and deal with office bearers liability coverage. But unfortunately, there's no short, quick, easy answer for this lady. She does have rights, but trying not to be a typical lawyer and suggest litigation, um, I just don't see how she can resolve these significant issues without going down that path, unfortunately. So how have her concerns been addressed to date by the Owners Corporation? What I hear is that she's raised the issues with them. They say, oh, we're talking to the builder. Oh, we're trying to resolve it. We're having these problems with the builder because it turns out that he may be unlicensed or doesn't have insurance or something like that. And she's really being pushed aside 
Um, the owner's corporation has more important things to do. But in the meantime, she, her courtyard is a muddy swimming pool and quite rightly so she wants that fixed. Yeah. So I have been involved in these kinds of situations before. It generally starts out with a letter from me reminding the owner's corporation of their obligations um, and it's not good enough in my opinion, for owners' corporations to say, oh, yes, well, we're dealing with it over here on the one hand with the builder and you're just going to have to wait. It does happen and, you know, and owners' corporations sometimes don't make any move until litigation is commenced, which is unfortunate that owners have to go to that expense. But it's also important for owners to be aware of their rights and that they do have these rights and and something like Section 122 can give them an avenue to at least start that conversation with the owners' corporation. I think the owners corporation in this instance should at least get some professional advice to manner on how to deal with the builder in the first instance if that's the stumbling block, which I think mm. it appears to be. Um, because the Office of Fair Trading, you can actually make complaints quite cheaply. You lodge an application with the Office of Fair Trading to the building department and they actually come out on site. I had this happen in a building that I was managing. We had an engineer's – basically it was like water penetration, similar, sort of, not similar but to the muddy swimming pool in the, in the courtyard, but mm. – Water always being a significant problem within buildings. And mm. so we had an engineer come out and do an inspection, gave a very quick report, and the contractor had tried to say, well, that's not correct. Um, he just waterproofed it with the sort of shower seal type of sealing of the um, the tiles on the balcony. And basically we were able to, after I lodged the application with Fair Trading, um, the building inspector came out and we negotiated and we got three quarters of the previous bill paid back to us. So mm, if people are great. short or unlicensed, I think the Fair Trading is far more harsher in its penalties. Yeah, so definitely. So if the Corporation could seek some professional advice um, yep. and get that rolling, then that's something that should be done immediately. And then at least that can be done concurrently with trying to address your, your owner's concerns and, and issues in her courtyard. Yep, absolutely. I agree with you. I think that's an excellent first step. Okay, well, what's been going well for you this week, Rena? What's your win? Um, this is based on an incident that's been happening in one of my schemes for over, over 12 months. And, and finally, we had a tenant in this building who, you know, was breaching all the bylaws. She had a pet that was unauthorised, noise, parking on common property and in visitors' car park, rubbish being not disposed correctly with, with respect to recycling and regular parties. You know, it was like 12 months of hell. She was abusing other people in the building and with the owner's help finally um, because we wrote to the owner. The agent wasn't really being all that helpful because they wanted to keep the tenant and, and <laughs> obviously the uh, remuneration that's attached to that tenant. Mm. But through an owner, we were able to find another owner that knew the address of the actual owner and, and their contact details and we asked the owner to basically terminate the tenancy agreement which she agreed to do and even though it's been 12 months of hell um, in this building at least that was achieved and one thing that came out of it during the year was that the owners corporation held an EGM and they installed cameras mm. uh, there was an incident where the police had had to attend and because there was no evidence there was nothing that the owners corporation could do so the police recommended that cameras be installed so an EGM was convened and um, passed a special resolution to add the um, cameras to the common property mm. and in various parts of the building. And, yeah, that went well. So I think for those of us that have lived in a building where there's been a troublesome person, whether it's a lot owner or a tenant, a mental illness, I think there was a bit of level of mental illness and drugs mm. in this particular case, Amanda. But I think that for those that have to endure this, whether you're a lot owner, whether you're a tenant as a resident, mm -hmm. whether it is quite unsettling because – 
when you go to work and you're working and there's an issue, it doesn't matter because when you come home and you have to listen to, you know, parties all night, you know, and there were like there was wooden floorboards so that, that mm. you know, high heels and two daughters. And so it just made, you know, life so uncomfortable. Um, yeah. But for the people that were around her, and of course, the committee's time was taken up having to deal with it at every meeting in terms of bylaw breaches and you know, mediation, etc. Mm. Yeah, so after 12 months, it, even though it's difficult, but it sounds like maybe a, a targeted effort and an acceptance that this might not be a, a quick process, but we're going mm. to stay committed to the cause, we're going to understand that we need to gather evidence so we may need to invest in things like CCTV mm. we need to be calling the police we need to stand together we need to give statements and of course relay all of that to the owner who at the end of the day has the power of course there's the tribunal avenue but that takes is, time, takes and, time yeah. and money and much easier if you can get the owner to say look this is a breach of the lease and to have yeah. that tenant move on so great result from what sounds like yeah. a very committed committee yeah thank you Amanda all right. Um, we are getting to my win, oh, which yes. I yes, which I prefaced at the beginning of the episode. Um, I have been in the tribunal this week and have had some success. And um, this is was kind of an unusual experience where we turned up and we were the respondents to an application. It was an application brought by one strata scheme against another strata scheme. Are they adjoining? Yes. These buildings are adjoining and under section two. 33 of the Strata Schemes Management Act, the tribunal does have jurisdiction to make an order settling a dispute between two strata schemes. So this particular applicant, um, it was a, a small strata scheme on the one side and the scheme I acted for was a little bit larger next door. And the application was signed off by a committee member in the applicant strata scheme. And as soon as we saw that, we thought, hmm, I wonder if this person has authority to file this application because there had been some emails preceding it and some complaints and they'd all come from this one particular committee member. And we hadn't seen minutes of any meeting where there'd been a resolution to commence these proceedings. There didn't seem to be any evidence of authority and that was something that we planned to question immediately when we came before the tribunal. When we did come before the member, the member asked the applicant to explain why this was a dispute between two strata schemes. And without giving away too much detail, because I don't want to identify the buildings in question, it was a dispute about the basement parking. And these strata schemes share basement parking and there's an easement and right of carriageway for one to use the other's property. And this particular strata scheme was saying that um, my client was infringing on their space and had damaged some of their garage doors. Oh, and the position that we took before the member just in the first 10 minutes of the appearance was to say, well, it's not clear why this is a dispute between two schemes. Isn't this a problem that one particular lot owner has with this strata scheme? And if that's the case, because their garage door's been damaged, if that's the case, then they don't actually have standing under this section 233 to bring this application on behalf of their strata scheme. It should be an application that they bring personally and not being a member of the scheme in question, so the scheme they're mm. complaining about, they're going to have difficulty bringing that application. So surprisingly, and this does not happen very often, the member dismissed the application within the first 10 minutes of the appearance. I uh, felt that happened um, before, Amanda, but it was on basically on written submissions where... Uh, 
Australia, we had a subsidiary strata scheme mm-hmm. that was making an application against a community association. Right. But the actual application was just lodged by one of the owners. It wasn't lodged by the subsidiary. And we said that there was no evidence that we could see that that scheme had actually resolved to um, submit the application. And it was mm. also dismissed because there was no standing by that person to do so. Yes. It's a very good um, lawyer's trick. When we see applications that are filed, the first thing we look at is does the tribunal have jurisdiction to resolve this dispute? So is it truly, in our case, we were thinking, is it truly a dispute between two strata schemes or is this just the complaint of one person? And then secondly, does the applicant actually have standing? So do they have the authority? Do they have the power to do what Mm. they're doing? And as you say, Rena, if a lot owner is signing off on an application and saying that it's on behalf of an owner's corporation, well, they better have the minute of a meeting that's giving them the authority to do that. Yeah. And the thing in question about your case, Amanda, is that with this basement car park, is it part of a building? I mean, how how are the costs shared between these two strata schemes? Is it through a strata management statement or is it some sort of document? Because I know that there's another scheme I used to manage that it was two schemes sharing a basement car park, but they had like a deed between the two entities that dictated how the costs would be split. So there was no strata management statement. It was just a yeah. deed between the two scheme. So, yeah. wouldn't there have been some sort of provision for dispute resolution if it was part of a building management committee? Yeah, as far as I'm aware, there was no building management committee, no strata management statement. All there was was this easement. So, there was a right of carriageway granted by my strata scheme that I acted for to the others for them to use that to basically use the same driveway space. Oh, it's just a driveway. So there's no yeah. like garage door that allowed people to – so there was no cost-sharing garage door No, no. And what was happening okay. was apparently, allegedly, I should say, people from the scheme I act for were using the space and they were damaging the garage doors that belonged to the other lot owners oh, okay. in the other scheme. So we said, look, this is a dispute between private parties. This isn't a dispute yes. between two strata schemes. And the member accepted that, which was a really good, a really good result. And were a lot of costs incurred in this application? Um, look, not really. We were lucky. Um, we were briefed at quite short notice and we spent a couple of hours looking at the documents. We met with the client and literally it was one of those unusual turn up and you're there for 15 minutes and it's all mm. over Red Rover. And what I was actually expecting, like you said, Rena, to have a direction that we each file written submissions on the question of jurisdiction and standing. That's what I would have expected to happen. But we got one of those nice friendly members who just said, yeah, I want this off my off my desk, so I'm going to dismiss it today. Yeah, I think NCAT overall, um, in my experience, um, have made usually quite good decisions overall. I mean, you might get a member here and there, but then again, you can get a judge here and there that does the same thing. And in mm. my experience, um, in the previous adjudication process, where it was based on written submissions, mm. um, every one that I've been involved in, you know, where the person was either vexatious or didn't have enough evidence or or the, the application was totally flawed by not being a party that could actually make an application, you know, I've found that NCAT's decisions have been quite fair. And, mm. um, well, let me say, Rena, that might say something about your standard of management and your oh. <laughs> and the advice that you give to you your building. Maybe the applications have had, yeah, we've had either, I mean, some of them I used to draft myself or we've had good people, good lawyers yeah. drafting. 
such yeah. as yourself, other and, lawyers. So yeah. <laughs> and I think um, if you're if you're getting to the stage of litigation, um, certainly if you're a respondent, there's not too much you can do about it if the application's filed against you. But if you're an applicant and you are well advised either by your strata manager or by your lawyer that yes, your case has reasonable prospects of success and we should proceed down this path, then you know, really there shouldn't be too many surprises. You should yeah. have your ducks in a row and you don't want to be spending that time and money and effort unless you've you've got a convincing case. Yeah, so I think I'll, I look forward to hearing any, about any more cases, Amanda, that you have at the tribunal with the new um, regime. Yeah. Interesting to see how that pans out for other cases. This is a great result, so congratulations. Yes, it's been a good week. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else to add before we wrap up, Rena? No, I'm just glad it's the end of the week, Amanda. I'm actually <laughs> had a busy week and I'm quite tired, so I'm actually going out to dinner tonight, which Lovely. I'm looking forward to. Excellent. Enjoy, and I shall catch you next time. Okay, Amanda, have a nice weekend. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? today?